Welcome back to an episode of 2020 Vision, a podcast where we talk everything from politics to primaries, but, you know, those are the same thing. We are your host, Miliana Boucher, back from the dead. And Arya Tusi. Back from the living, apparently. Yep. Miliana, I'm pretty mad this week, but before I go off, what are you mad about? I am not mad so much as I am impressed by an image that I saw circulating the internet of Nancy Pelosi showing Donald Trump and his officials exactly where they stand in terms of how she views them. Um, for those of who haven't seen it, it is a long table and the photo is taken from the end of that table and you see Nancy Pelosi in the middle of the table pointing her finger and standing at Donald Trump and all of his cabinet members who are sitting down either looking annoyed or ashamed. Nancy Pelosi is setting them in their place. If only we could show you pictures. Um, what's funny, I think the best part about that picture is that Donald Trump himself tweeted it, it because it. I guess he thought it would make him look good. That backfired. Yeah. Backfired. Um, but why are you mad? I'm mad because I'm mad because the Republican Party, in, in a blatantly partisan publicity stunt, uh, jeopardized our nation's national security by uh, storming a, a skiff room in the Congress building and... Let me explain what that is. It's a skiff is a sensitive compartmented information facility, and it's basically a highly secure room. It's got armed guards. You can't bring like electronics in it. It's protected against surveillance, uh, and it's basically where people with high-level security clearances, like congressmen, can you know be briefed on or discuss um, issues of national security, issues of you know counterterrorism, issues of basically anything that you wouldn't want a spy to hear. And uh, some of these congressmen who were storming the room to stop a deposition for the impeachment proceedings against Trump, uh, some of them were live streaming or live tweeting what they were doing. And by doing that are basically showing anyone who's watching this stream what this room looks like, what's in it, how to get in. Basically showing that a bunch of white men, old white men, interrupting a woman, saying something very important, can face no consequences for it at all. Whereas a normal person would immediately get arrested or shot by the armed guards or But let's say that impeachment does go through anyways. Let's say that the Republican attempt to stop and attack the process rather than attacking the reasons why he's getting impeached are unsuccessful and there is a majority vote in the House of Representatives that impeaches him and then a majority vote in the Senate that removes him. This week on 2020 Vision, we are going to talk about what it would look like if Mike Pence became president of the United States. Welcome to the Super Scary Halloween special episode. So before we talk about what Mike Pence would do while he was president, I think it's important to talk about just his background and maybe a little bit of information about him. So in order to determine what Pence would do in office, we have to look at look at what he actually believes and determine what his political opinions are outside of the Trump administration. And this is actually harder to do than it sounds because he, the man is a pure politician. He does a lot of things out of expediency. He was basically... Uh, he was basically groomed by John Boehner around Obama's presidency to be like a public face for the Republican Party because he's, um, I guess they thought he would be inoffensive. The good thing, though, is that he has a solid 40 years of, of pure conservatism in his you know political career. He started out as a conservative radio host. He uh, was the president of a conservative think tank. He was in Congress for Indiana. He was governor of Indiana. And then, you know, of course, he was the vice president for Donald Trump. I think there's two things that are going to be important to look at Pence as uh, as president. It's going to be, A, his policies that he supports, and B, how effective he's going to be as an executive. And the good thing is that he, since he was a governor, we can see exactly how he would be as an executive. So while he was governor, Mike Pence, 
I would say passed a certain amount of legislation, but honestly, that would not accurately describe the Pence administration at all. I would not call him an accomplished executive. However, he did have a couple notable things that he did pass into law. For instance, in March 2015, so near the end of his governor term, he passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which basically meant that businesses were allowed to turn away individuals and customers for religious reasons and that local governments were unable to do anything about it. This might be why you, if you have heard of Pence before he was the vice president, that and you're not from Indiana, that's probably why you heard about him, because this made national headlines in 2015. However, important to consider is that just a month later, he had to amend the law in order to ensure that there was no sexual discrimination, showing, as we mentioned before and kind of hinted at, that Mike Pence was not the most accomplished executive that Indiana or the United States has ever seen. No. It's common to see as an answer when this question is asked, what would the Pence presidency look like, that he would be, that people say he would be like George Bush, but more conservative. And when they say he would be like George Bush, they mean in terms of his ability to pass legislation that he's favorable to. Um, but that doesn't really seem to be the case because there, besides that, besides that law that we just mentioned, there isn't really anything, any notable accomplishments in his gubernatorial career that involved him, you know, having to make compromise with the Democrats in Indiana or really like fighting for and succeeding in pushing through a policy that he that he himself wanted. Of course, we have to also look at what he has done as vice president. So interestingly enough, although he is not a very accomplished or noteworthy governor, he is a noteworthy vice president in the sense that he has done many first time things that have never been done by by a vice president before. For instance, he is the first sitting vice president to make a speech at the March for Life event, which is a protest that occurs annually the same day as the Women's March in D.C. um, that is pro-life. He is also the first vice president to make a tie-breaking vote for a cabinet nomination. This was for Betsy DeVos as education secretary. And you could argue that he is the first vice president who has done nothing else in his vice presidency. Well, he is. There is one other thing that he does as vice president, and that's um, certain policy initiatives from the Trump administration that he kind of takes the leading role in. And this, I think, is one of the things that we can look at and see, uh, you know, if he's taking the leading role in this stuff from the Trump administration, doing significantly more for it than Trump is, I think we can say that this is something that he cares for more than than Trump does. And this is something that he himself does. And that, what I'm talking about right now, is uh, specifically on cultural issues, because right now he's basically leading the charge to uh, limit abortion access in the U.S. Um, He's, I mean, this is a big part of the Trump administration, but thanks to Pence's, you know, efforts, they're basically promoting a network of crisis pregnancy centers that are designed to push people away from Planned Parenthood. Another important thing to note is actually also in terms of things that he has passed, he's also a really adamant advocate for the military in the Trump administration, specifically for what is infamously known as the Space Force or a branch of the military which would be focused in space and would help protect the United States from the stars. This is another thing that he's that he differs from Trump on because Trump does not have a good, you know, relationship with the military. He's not very well respected by the top generals. He's not. The military tends to be a more conservative demographic, but even among that group, support for Trump is not as high as previous Republican presidents because he just simply does not respect the troops. I think that this might be a good segue into how a Pence presidency would be different than a Trump presidency. In terms of foreign policy? In terms of everything. 
Um, for instance, Donald Trump is known as a unpredictable leader. He does not really follow party lines in terms of he does not consistently follow party lines and will very occasionally say things that are off script and not following the Republican uh, decorum or ideology, whereas Mike Pence is a very staunch ideologue Republican. He is reliable for Republicans. He is a safe bet for many Republicans. And he is actually a big reason why Donald Trump's campaign was so well funded from the Republican Party. One of the things that he did for the Trump campaign is in the background, he's basically the backbone of their the campaign's big donors. Donald Trump has amazing donors in terms of businessmen, but in terms of politicians, all the support is going to Mike Pence, not to Donald Trump. Exactly. As, as much as Donald Trump would like you to think that the reason why his campaign is so well-funded is A, because he's a billionaire, and B, because he gets grassroots donations, the real reason is that Mike Pence has been able to, to rally a conservative donors in a way that Donald Trump has just not been able to do. And his ability to do that is probably also how he convinced Trump to take him on as VP. Because what we know is that he met with him, and then out of nowhere he was like, I want this guy to be my vice president. Donald Trump is a businessman after all, and it would be foolish of us to think that he did not make his VP decision based on, at least slightly, on financial gain. So I guess this would really conveniently bring us into our overarching idea of this episode, which would be what would Mike Pence look like as POTUS? What would he look like sitting in the Oval Office? First of all, I think we could safely bet that Mike Pence would be very strongly aligned with the Republican Party. Donald Trump does not have consistent support in the Republican Party in the sense that he very often has some deflecting votes that will vote against his policies, but Mike Pence would not probably have those same deflecting votes. I mean, I think I think if you take what we have right now in the Republican Party, which is even uh, even moderate members of the Republican Party, while they will, you know, maybe say something against Trump, will still vote along along party lines, um, which is, you know, thanks to Mitch McConnell, um, but and his long term strategy. But if you have a, a president like Pence, who is a more traditional conservative, and you add the, you know, incredible amount of party loyalty that McConnell has been able to generate in the last few years in Trump's presidency, I think we're going to have a very strong, as long as the, the Republicans keep control of the Senate, we're going to have a very strong Republican majority. Um, we already have a strong majority, I think, but it's going to be nigh unbreakable. Um, speaking of Mitch McConnell, one thing that I can say for sure that Pence would do as, as president was is continue this aspect of McConnell's long-term plan, and that is appointing conservative judges. Because that is the main point of keeping long-term Republican control, regardless of uh, how elections go. Because judges are unelected and they serve for life. Another thing that would be important to know about a Pence presidency is that he would probably, probably be less focused on taxes if it's not in regards to the military. Um, in my opinion, a Pence presidency would look like increasing funds to the military in order to see things like the Space Force and overall expansion of U.S. military forces continue. But otherwise, in terms of businesses, I think that Mike Pence would focus more on cultural issues that the administration could tackle rather than financial issues like Donald Trump has been tackling. I also think that while those issues, the things that Trump is bigger on, are more resonant with like the alt-right or with the buzzword that keeps coming up, White working class oh. voters, um, which is, you know, a dog. This is going to be Pence in a post-Trump world. This is going to be a president in a post-Trump world. And it would be silly of him from a party power standpoint 
not to keep courting those people. I also think that it's silly in terms of us as citizens in the United States who are looking or some people who are hoping that Donald Trump will get impeached. I think it would be silly to think that a Donald Trump-esque presidency will not continue after Donald Trump. In political psychology, there's this thing called the Overton window, which shifts, which is basically a way in which politics are viewed. And over time, political psychologists have seen that the Overton window is shifting more extreme to the right, which makes more and more things within that window acceptable. But the overall frame of what is and isn't acceptable has entirely moved. And so because this window has moved, it's really difficult to move it back. So even in a post-Trump presidency, it would be foolish to think that there still wouldn't be enormous issues like racism, immigration problems, financial problems. Anti-LGBTQ sentiment. And more. Yeah. Another thing that's important to consider that even if Donald Trump were impeached, that would not fix the United States and the problem of political polarization that is, in my opinion, one of the true problems that face the United States. Um, Since the 1970s, in the 1970s, believe it or not, Republicans and Democrats used to have enormous overlap in terms of their policies. It was not uncommon to have multiple Democrats in the Senate voting for Republican policies or vice versa. But now it is almost impossible for a vote that is not party line to pass through the Senate. Right. And that's why it seems like such a Herculean task for impeachment to even go through in the first place, Uh, even though anyone with an ounce of sense can see that it's valid. But, you know, parties could have party. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go, rather than talking about the polls and the standings for the current uh, Democratic primary candidates, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the uh, approval ratings for Donald Trump and Mike Pence, given that this episode has been largely Republican focused. Again, we're using Real Clear Politics polls, which average multiple different polling sites, including Quinnipiac, CNN, Fox News, The Economist, and more. Currently, Donald Trump is sitting at a 41.8% approval rating and a 54.8% disapproval rating, which is not uncommon and actually surprisingly good for his presidency. He's usually lower. What do you think's raising him this week? Because I, I can't think of a single reason. Maybe because you can't think of a single reason. So Good or bad. Uh, that might be why. Nothing nothing particularly terrible happened. Yes. Yeah. I think he's preparing for the spooky season of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Next week should be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have this week. You've been listening to 2020 Vision, uh, brought to you by WNYU. And we're your hosts, Arya Tusi. Miliana Boucher. Stay tuned if you're listening to the .org stream for Line to Line to hear two dudes talk about hockey and football. If not, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.